Welcome to the Success in South Carolina podcast, where we will be hearing the untold stories of success from some of the top achievers in our home state of South Carolina. These neighbors of ours will also share their time-tested personal philosophies and solutions to inspire us, educate us, and help us find peace, joy, and love, along with a purpose, a mission, and a vision for our lives. And I'm your host, Jonathan Peoples. We have two guests today who are both high-ranking executives at Milliken, which is headquartered in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Milliken is a global manufacturing leader whose focus on material science delivers tomorrow's breakthroughs today. Milliken was named by Forbes magazine as one of America's best midsize employers in 2018 and was honored as one of the best companies to work for by Fortune magazine four times since 2006. The company has also been recognized as one of the world's most ethical companies by Ethisphere every year since the inception of the award in 2007. These guests are Rakay Harris and Castle Knight. Rakay is the Vice President of Talent Acquisition and DEI for Milliken. And Castle is a Senior Vice President, General Counsel at Milliken and Secretary for the Board of Directors of Milliken. Welcome to the show, Castle Knight and Rakay Harris. Hey, guys. Hey, hey Jonathan. Wow, that is a mouthful. That's uh, it, it's it's especially fun when we have two guests on here. Uh, let me pull over here and start with a couple of questions. I know the first question I have for you, Rakay, is you your your story seems like I love hearing stories that seem like they have a little bit of strategical shifts in them. And uh, can you take us on your journey from graduating with a BS in computer science and a master's in Christian ministries to where you are now as the VP of talent acquisition and DEI? Right. Uh, Interesting story for sure. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I graduated from Wofford. But while there, I learned that Milliken Wofford, they have a very strong relationship. And I'm originally from Indiana. I came down here to play basketball and the weather kept me here. And while attending Wofford, it was like, oh, Milliken's everywhere. And so I'm a competitive individual. Uh, I like to win. At the time, what I learned of Milliken seemed to be a very reputable, competitive organization. So all, you know, from the jump, we we seem to be aligned. And so I'm like, yeah, let me learn more about this organization. Um, Unfortunately, or ironically, uh, the first time I tried to get an internship, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't make it. Um, And so, (laughs) you know, that was my first time feeling rejected, you know, as a college kid or whatnot, but I continue to push. Um, I am going to do this. They are a great organization. I want to work there. Let's figure this out. So I did an internship at the Oak Ridge National Laboratory leading into my senior year. I used my background in computer science. I was the web uh, developer for one of the projects there. And then Fast forward, I'm ready to to interview again. I've got a little bit of experience under my belt, a little bit more confident. Let's kill this interview. Uh, uh, knock this interview out. Yeah. And so I did. I did. And um, <laughs> enjoyed it. Ultimately, uh, was blessed or fortunate to, to come to Milliken as a process improvement specialist in manufacturing. And while there, my heart is for people. And I think that was... Uh, recognized very early on the connections I made, the associates were willing to go above and beyond. For me, there were more than just, you know, people I could instruct or lead or, you know, tell what to do, but no, you, 
I'm a servant leader. We're all on the same team. I need to learn from you. You've been here for 10, 15, 20 plus years. I'm new at this, right? <laughs> what is this machine supposed to do? How does it yeah. work? What do we make? Educate me. And I found that that was a way to kind of get their buy-in and their support. And ultimately the team made us very successful. And because of that, it was, you know, every move since then has been a tap on the shoulder because of those relationship skills and people connections and come into HR. All right, great. Now you're in HR. Okay. Maybe help us teach a little bit of the SAP implementation with your computer science background. Cool. Relationships. Let's do that. Oh, success here. Hey, what are, you, what are your thoughts on? You love Milliken. You're great with people. Very energetic, passionate about the company. Hey, you mind going back to the you know colleges and universities and selling the company and recruiting for us? I was one yeah. of the first recruiters on our corporate recruiting team to do um, in-house recruiting. And then from there, I don't know why I raised my hand and said, hey, I think DI is cool. Uh, I think we can do a better job here. I'm one help. Yeah. Gray hairs begin to pop out everywhere. And fast forward, you know, six years later and almost six years later, Milliken's received a couple of awards, um, continuing to get recognized in the community. And I'm just proud to be a part of it. So very grateful and fortunate now to to lead the team that I was formerly a recruiter um, on or recruiting for. And now basically continuing the DEI side, which was very uh, much a passion of mine. And I enjoyed doing it. Yeah, well, kudos. You've definitely accomplished a lot there at Millican. Uh, I I wonder if uh, I heard you say I'm a very competitive individual. I love to win. Yeah. And also, you've got this te- this uh, this background in team sports. How do you do? You feel like that the background in team sports and in basketball has played big into what your role is now? Absolutely. Probably some days too much. Um, yeah. Like I, you know, losing. I mean, bless my family for having to endure any of that growing up as a child. I mean. Through fits, temper tantrums, I'm that person, right? If we, I don't care if I had 25, 30 points, if we lost the game, I'm not happy about it. Um, and so that kind of carries over into the corporate setting where yeah. um, it pushes me to to not have those feelings of, you know, defeat or, um, you know, kind of less than. I mean, we'll have moments where, you know, we didn't we didn't get that hire that we wanted or, you know, maybe we. Um, as a team, someone's having a, a rough time, you know, um, fitting in or, or or understanding what it means to be a real recruiter. And my background, being competitive, recognizing that it takes a team to to be successful. No, we're going to have each other's back. We're going to pick up the slack. We're going to teach. We're going to train. We're going to educate. And ultimately, we're going to support. Um, and really, since forever, but, you know, thinking about, you know, just 2020, the pandemic, a lot of things going on, you know, we've lost some loved ones. We've had lots of ups and downs, but trying to be um, there and showing support to your team, it really goes a long way. And um, I, I, I want to make sure we're always putting our best foot forward, being that coach. And so it's kind of helped our team kind of take on that personality as well. And they're committed to winning with me. How do you, with that background in sports, how do you keep a balance between that drive to that need, that desire to win and at the same time, having empathy for people, because I know that's part of the DEI. That's part of the the the, the even talent acquisition. That's part of HR is just having empathy for people, right? Yeah, Jonathan. I mean, that um, my family and co- close friends would probably tell you I still have work to do. Um, there are there are days when I can come across as being, um, you know, insensitive or not always understanding. Like, what do you mean you can't do this? No, this you're going to get this. Okay, right. Um, so I think because I know that about myself. 
Um, I try to to be more empathetic and be more understanding in these situations um, because I, I've seen, you know, what it can do or the success that you can have when you are, you know, supportive or understand that it takes people time when you're willing to to dig in and get with the team. I, when I first came back to recruiting, I mean, I joined the recruiting team again in July of 21. I mean, all all time high, the number of openings we had, you know, increased recs, the volume, et cetera. And so the team, were they were drowning. And I didn't want to be that leader that comes back to the team and I'm leading it. And I'm like, good job, y'all. I think you've got this. I know you each have 30 recs under your belt, but just call me if you need me. You can handle this. No, yeah. I'm a team player. We are struggling right now. I remember right. what this is like. I know how it feels, right? right. Um, and I've got empathy here. You know what? I'm jumping in. Give mm-hmm. me roles. And I got up to about 25 and I was like, hey, that was a lot. But, you know, it, it, it helps me um, remember the days of recruiting. I was able to to share um, some kind of best practices with the teammates, you know, rally the troops, get us all together. We were in the trenches together. And then when we came out on the other side, there was more of an appreciation for, you know what, Rake is one of us. She's here with us. And now if I'm asking for a little bit more effort or a little bit more of a push, there's not as much of a pushback there because they've, they've seen us do it. And they've seen me do it with them. And so I'm grateful for that. So it almost seems like your even your background in sports there. It, yet, yes, it brings that desire to win, but it also brings that level of empathy because you get this understanding that everyone is different. Everyone has their own strength. On a basketball team, for example, you've got a center, you've got a point guard, you got a forward. Right. So, somebody's great at, at defense; the other person's great at offense. Somebody's great at uh, at assists, and somebody's great at something. You know, so you've got different roles that everybody plays. And you can't being being the guy who's great at offense or, or the lady who's great at offense. You can't say, well, why aren't you doing better at offense? Because they, they're better at defense. Right. Correct. Correct. And it's, you have to know, you know, that's a great point. I mean, every individual on our team, they've got different skill sets, different strengths and, you know, different areas of growth opportunities. And as a leader and, you know, a coach or a captain on the team, you know, the way that I'm going to encourage, motivate, um, discipline's not the right word, but, you know, push it's going to be different for each of my my players on the team, right? I know that there are some players that I can, as a coach leader, we can have that like in your face conversation. Like I can push you like my coach used to push me um, and make me like, okay, I've got you. I've got this. I've got this. There are some that the conversations might be a little bit more um, less um, uh, passion, if you will. Like I'm not going to get in your face as much because I recognize that's not going to motivate you. That's not going to push you to give me your best. It might right. actually be, you know, demotivating and have the opposite effect. Mm. So being a, a good leader, you have to recognize that the way you get your team to support you and each other, you got to recognize that there are individuals here and they all have ind- individual needs for how they respond to things. Yeah. So I love the book by John Grover uh, called The Energy Bus. When it comes to building teams and stuff like that, Any are there any books or any podcasts you've listened to that you really feel like would have been helpful for you as far as uh, within this role? I, um, believe it or not, my church, we actually read the energy bus, uh, one year for a leadership retreat. Uh, yeah. so yeah, yeah. You got to make a decision. You, this next bus stop is coming up. You're staying with us or you getting yeah. off. Right. Um, so that, that's definitely a good one. I would say, um, the five, uh, dysfunctions of a team. I think that is the title of the book. I'm looking around here. About yeah, is that John Maxwell? Who, who is that John Maxwell? I think it is a John Maxwell book. If I, I, yeah. I don't want to misquote it, but I mean, it, it basically talks about like 
hey, here are the things you don't want to have on a team. Right. So, all right, bet. So let's do the opposite. Let's figure out how yeah. we can function um, as a team effectively. So I would definitely say that's one of those. As far as a podcast, most of them are just kind of like um, personal, like, you know, some self-help. Not really sure they would like speak to the team dynamics, but um, yeah. Yeah. So one, la- one last question for you, Rake, uh, yeah. before I jump, jump, uh, jump to our shift here on a personal note. And in your bio, it said you've run a couple of half marathons, but you're done with them. Yeah. What happened? What happened there? Tell us that story. <laughs> I mean, it's just long. I was like, why am I doing this? Um, but I love playing basketball. I love working out. I mean, that's I'm going to do it. You know, the goal is five days. If I get four, I'm satisfied. Um, but it was hard to find nine other people to play basketball with. Right. And so I just started running. I hated yeah. running sprints. I hated when the coach said, get on the baseline. You hate to hear those words. But it became this uh, this like place of solitude and kind of a freeing space after a nice stressful day. Yeah. But you're, you know, you're beaten and you got some music playing and I could just go. And so it became a competition. I was like, all right, well, let's see how far I can go. I said, hey, I was like watching cross country runners. Why are they? Why would you do this? Like that was me in high school. Like, what are y'all doing? Um, and then finally, it's, it became so rewarding that I just challenged myself to say, how far can I run? And so I did. My first half marathon, the goal was to get under two hours. I think I ran it. It was 155 or 157. Um, I think it was 155 because I came back and did it again. I was like, why would I do this again? But one of the teammates <laughs> challenged me. And of course, I'm going to rise to the occasion. So here we are now in my, in our safe space. She was younger than me. And I'm like, she's not going to beat me. So I'm trying yeah. to get, get back in shape again. Gold met. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so ran it again. I think it was like 157. And so I was like, okay, I'm done i'll just stick to maybe a 5k a 10k i mean it's nice rewarding experience but yeah i I can't see myself running for four hours yeah so then you're done until the next person challenges you is what you're saying right 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 (laughs) (laughs) but they can never challenge me to a full they can they can you're not going for a full marathon then huh i can't do a full yeah all right. Well, let's uh, let's shift here real quick. I want to hear from you, Castle. Uh, Castle, your career seems a bit more like a logical line, but even you have your own shifts. I know that before you were at Millican, you were involved in mergers and acquisitions, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little, um, tell us a little bit about how, how your uh, career has advanced from there. Sure. Um, well, so um, the background is I really like languages. So I majored in English and French and decided to go to law school because what else are you going to do with that kind of a degree? Um, right, right. And, and you went to France, right? You were, I you did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that was an interesting experience because it was for a whole year and I really had to, you know, um, get way out of my comfort zone and stay focused on something that felt really uncomfortable and in fact, very lonely. Um, But on the other side, I found real fulfillment and uh, a bunch of joy just from sticking with something that was so hard and kind of advancing because of it. And I think that kind of ended up being a little bit of a theme for me. So um, I started out of law school um, in law firms doing mergers and acquisitions. I really felt uh, unsatisfied. It's fascinating work and getting to know all of the different companies you interact with in that field is very interesting. Lots of different kinds of people, lots of business models, lots of um, products and services, but it was kind of a repetitive job doing the same thing over and over again, even if it was hugely complicated and taking a long time, it was still pretty um, in the end 
ended up being very similar from deal to deal. So um, I moved around to a few different law firms, a couple different cities, and really came to the conclusion that it was all the same everywhere. Um, and so uh, I'm originally from Greenville and I moved back. Thinking, oh, nice. Another native. Yeah. Thinking, wow, you know, I couldn't wait to get out of Greenville, but actually it's really fantastic place now that I'm out here in the world, uh, seeing what else is available. So um, came back to Greenville and Milliken was hiring an attorney at that point and, um, you know, kind of just the stars aligned on that one. Um, and it turns out that having an M&A background was very helpful for working inside of a company because in M&A, you're kind of the point person on all of the different aspects of um, the deal and, you know, understanding the employment issues, the environmental issues, the contract issues. The So uh, across the board, you kind of get familiar with the whole um, aspects of how a company works and certainly ha- had a lot of background in um, boards of directors and company structures and how that's all supposed to work. So um, it was a great fit. And one of the first people I met was Rakay. So obviously I wasn't going to leave after that. And right, right. Um, it's been a great, great time. Well, you, you, uh, to jump back to your story, you were talking about your time in, I think it was when your time in France and you said it was uncomfortable and lonely. Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah. And I, I felt that too, at different points in my career where you're just really struggling with something and you feel, um, you know, like it, it, I guess an analogy would be once I was an attorney and I was working really late at night and just having to get a document finished and just, really maybe the only one in the office, or maybe there were a couple of other other people scattered around the building, but, you know, just kind of persevering in that environment where you're not having fun, you're not comfortable, it's hard, and there's really no one supporting you. Like Rakay had great um, experiences with a team, and certainly there's a lot of teamwork um, at points, but there's certainly in, in the law, but there's a lot of points where it's just up to you. And so um, not giving up in that situation, sticking with it and saying, yeah, um, that wasn't great, but realizing that eventually you learned a lot from it and you learned a lot of um, grit, I guess, from from that. How do you, I guess the question that comes to mind here, Castle, is how do you work through that? How do you push through that? uh loneliness or or like when you said when it feels repetitive when you aren't passionate or in love with your job because i feel like so many people nowadays are taught and i don't know if it's bad advice or good advice but follow your passion do what you love but there's elements to everybody's job that they don't necessarily love right Absolutely. how do you push how do you push through that and still be successful yeah so i think there's two things um one is i really I mean, if I frame my job, like if I zoom out from the biggest lens possible, my job as an attorney, you know, and working at Milliken is to help people with their problems. So Hmm. I help them find the best path forward when they're faced with a challenge or they're trying to accomplish something. And so even in those tough moments, framing whatever I'm doing, no matter how mundane it is, I'm doing it for someone else. I'm helping figure out, you know, I'm helping a person, I'm helping a group of people, I'm helping them 
move forward. And so reframing what I'm doing in that sense, and I don't think it's insincere. I think it's truly kind of at the core of, of what we're doing. And so I would, the advice I would give to other people is, you know, what is it that you love and can you reframe the hard parts of what you're doing to be aligned with what you love, even though on the surface might not be obvious. And then the second thing is just, um, you know, not giving up and knowing that no matter how insignificant what you're doing may seem, there's something you can learn from it. I don't care if you've done the same thing 50 times, you know, there's always something new. Now, maybe if it's filling out the same form, I mean, there's, there's a point where you're not going (laughs) to learn something, but generally, um, you know, if, if you're got, got some autonomy in your job, no yeah. matter how you're, m- many times you're doing something, you, you can find something new to learn, even if it's doing the same thing over and over. So I'm going to try to paraphrase Castle to make sure I understand what you're saying. So it seems like the first piece of advice was surround and wrap. If you're caught in this cycle of uh, where it seems like you're bored or stagnant or repetitive to, to zoom out, and focus on your why. Why yeah. am I doing this? Does this? How does this align with why I'm doing this? Because um, sometimes the what and the how can get. Uh, we are as human beings when we focus on the what and the how too much, it really does bog us down. But when we look back and say, "Why am I doing this? Is this making a difference or an impact, or is this helping me accomplish what my purpose is?" Then, then you can still fall in love with those what and the hows, right? And then the second part was, "Don't give up," because you can always learn from things, right? Yeah, that's right. There's something so, good. There's something good in most things, even right. when they're tough. Yeah, I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. You're put in a certain place for a reason, um, and that you can learn from it. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agreed. Well, that's that's a great transition into what I want to talk about next for both of you guys is what are your keys to success? Uh, both you guys have accomplished great, massive success. And I know you're still this is just the beginning for both of you. Uh, but I want to hear while you're while you're in the heat of the moment, accomplishing these uh, or achieving these massive uh, goals. What what are your keys? What are you doing that we can learn from? We'll start with you, Kay. All right. I'm thinking of one here. Um, As I mentioned earlier, I mean, I've been fortunate to have this awesome ability, I think, to just connect with people. And so relationships have been, I think, one of the the major keys to to my success. I mean, we've heard it before. And I mean, it is true, but people don't care to know you until they know how much you care. Um, And so when you um, take the time to invest in teammates, colleagues, et cetera. I mean, ultimately, I think when push comes to shove, then they'll respond and they'll have your back in a pinch and a crisis, et cetera. And I think that's ultimately one of the reasons um, that I've been successful. And then when you have success in those roles, when you're able to do pretty much any task, right? There's no task too small. I would just add that as another kind of caveat. Anything I've been asked to do, join a team, uh, assist with the project. It wasn't necessarily part of my role at all the time. But I was like, this could be a cool learning opportunity. Um, get in, learn the project, have fun with the project, build relationships, make those connections. And then, you know, eventually down the road, someone's like, hey, I remember when Rake helped us here. She was on some college recruiting teams. Tap her on the shoulder, see if she wants to come and, and do some recruiting for us. Um, and then that's just kind of how things have 
have kind of transpired over, over the course of the years. Um, and then I will add with that, with the relationships, I'm just a firm believer on treating people right. I, I, I mean, there is the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have, you know, them do unto you. I mean, we'll take it a step further with the platinum one. That's more of like treat people how they actually want to be treated, right? The way I want to treat them, they may not want to be treated that way. So when right. I learn that someone, you know, this is their communication style. This is how they prefer to give, get and receive feedback. This is how they like recognition. I mean, then do it <laughs> as opposed to just saying that. Nah, this is my style. Actually, this is the way I'm going to handle things. So you're going to get in my way and either take it or leave it type of thing. But I think generally yeah. when you find out this is how someone responds, this is what motivates them um, as a leader, as a, as a team player, as a captain, then it's it's on us to, to do it. Can we call that the platinum rule instead of the golden rule, Rakay? We call it the platinum rule. Okay. If, uh, it, so the golden rule is doing to others as you'd have them doing to you. And then and the platinum rule is doing to others as they'd have you doing to them. Correct. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, I like that. Uh, because you're right. Everybody got different personality styles. People accept things in different manners. But I think at the end of the day, the, even the golden rule it, it's at its basic fundamental nature is meant to be treat them with the same level of respect and Correct. love or Correct. whatever that you would want to have. Now Correct. that doesn't mean you, you execute it the same way. Right. You'd want to have it executed to you. Um, but I love it. Okay. Yeah. So uh, ability to connect with, so ability to connect with people is very big. You got any tips on how to connect with people, Rick? That's a good one. I should know this, right? Uh, sure. I, think, <laughs> I would say um, being very personable and approachable. Uh, I think, um, being vulnerable as well. So mm-hmm. people are more open to make a, make that connection or start, you know, exploring conversation when they feel like this is a safe space to do so. And the only reason that it, it has become a safe space is because I've shared something or I've opened up or I've made yeah. myself, you know, more vulnerable in this working relationship to where now it's like, okay, well, guess I can let my hair down a little bit too and, and share yeah. some of something I've got going on. And then it just kind of builds from there. So I think, you know, being personable, approachable uh, helps. And I, I think my, uh, my discipline in sports uh, has helped as well. I mean, I hate to keep going back to that, but you have no choice in order for the team to be successful. We are all, you know, we were kind of forced to figure this out. I mean, you join a team and it's like, Hey, everyone's got their role. Well, in order for us to win, we're going to have to understand how this relationship works. Um, and so I think it's just kind of one of those, either you do it or, or you don't, but then you won't see any, any real results. And so yeah. I should kind of, I've been on several travel teams and I've met a lot of different people. And ultimately, if we want to win, then that's just, that's part of it. Being vulnerable, being authentic. Not being fake, right? Correct, correct. Because people can tell. I mean, you have to be genuine, right? If you're yeah. in it to to see what you can get from someone, well, then they can read that, and more than likely, you probably won't get much. Right, and realizing that, you know, yes, you've got a background in team sports, but there are people working in a job that have never had a background in team sports, and they don't understand that we are all on a team, even correct. though we may. I, I'm I'm a I am a, a self employed, or I've got this one, but everybody, really, the human race. That's right. Is a team, That's right? right? Once we can realize that that we are all on a team, that humans are not meant to work in a in a silo alone, that we can only accomplish success with other people, 
then I think that we can progress a little further. Is that what you're saying, Rakay? I agree. I agree. I mean, that's what we were created for. Right. Yeah. All right. Castle, you've had plenty of time to think. I've seen you over there pondering. Tell us what, <laughs> what are your what are your keys to success, Castle? Um, I I mean, I agree with a lot of what Rakay said because at the core of everything, every job we do, everything we do is about people. And um, even if you're alone in a room churning out a product or, or a service, you know, you've got customers and those customers are people. So you can't escape that. And I think um, being authentic and approaching the other people with respect, uh, assuming they have good intentions and are able to teach you something, no matter what their level or where they are. Um, that's really, it, it makes work more fun and it's really a key to building relationships, which are the key to success. I think, you know, just what Rakay said, um, as a lawyer, you know, I do go in assuming everybody has good intentions and means, well, sometimes I'm proven wrong. So I'm not saying be naive, but, um, <laughs> yeah. there's nothing wrong with going in with that assumption and, and it makes all of the interactions much more pleasant. Um, and then just, you know, sticking with things, I think kind of just to echo what I said before, not giving up and um, continuing to do things, even if you feel like you already know how to do them or um, it's, it's real hard. Just, just keep going and, you know, doors will open up. I I truly believe that. So. Yeah. I love how in this society nowadays, especially with texts and emails, so many things can be misunderstood. And that going in castle, like you said, assuming everybody has good intentions, reading that text as if it was meant in a good manner or whatever. And I feel like sometimes we read a text or an email based on the emotion we're in right now anyway. So if I'm mad, I'm going to read this text thinking that that person's mad too. Yeah, so, that's, that's so true, Jonathan. And I, when I'm having that experience, I can't um, emphasize enough how helpful it is if possible to just pick up the phone and have mm. a five minute conversation. It clears everything up and clears the air for both, both ends of the, you know, both people communicating. So I know it's, um, sounds old fashioned at this point, but if it's possible and if you're working on something really important, that it's important not to have misunderstandings, then mm. that's the way to go. Rikay, did you have something you wanted to add? Yeah, I, it just it just dawned on me. And I think um, Castle would agree as well. I think also there has to be this level of self-care. I mean, in mm-hmm. order for us to be successful in our careers, we have to have an outlet to where we can take a moment to breathe, have a mental reprieve so that we come back refreshed. And so mm-hmm. whether that's going to the gym, exercising, working out, whether that's going to a comedy show. I did catch Kevin Hart last night. So I'm feeling All good right. for the next nice. two days. Um, but what, but whatever, you know, and whatever it is for Castle, right? Her family, the orchestra, I know her husband's into music. Maybe they're going out listening to things together and that's her time to kind of unwind and then can come back a better castle. So I think it's important to add that whatever your it is, the thing that really speaks to you and resonates with you and you find energy from that, that you make it a priority and take the time to do it. And so I can remember like in the the height of the pandemic, I was losing myself. 
I didn't feel as successful. I didn't feel as committed. I didn't feel as strong because one of the first things I let go was my routine. I stopped working out. Mm-hmm. Everyone picked up the COVID 10, 15, whatever it was. And then I had to one day say, whoa, whoa, Rick, this isn't you, right? You're better than this. Like get back to the things, get back to your routine, stay true to you, do the things that were important to you before this hits so that you can find yourself. And I think that came, mm-hmm. that, that caused me to feel a lot better about the job, um, less burnout, less fatigue. And then I was able to kind of to put my best foot forward. So I just wanted to add that. Yeah, I love that, Rick. Because you hear a lot of adages that say, hey, you take care of me and I'll take care of you. And that's what a team works like. But really, I love Jim Rohn is one of my favorite speakers of all time. And his one of his famous famous quotes is, I'll take care of me for you and you take care of you for me. Right. That's how a team really works is being able to if because if I'm not taking care of me, it's the same thing with the air. If you're on an airplane, what's the first thing they talk about is when the masks come down, put your mask on first. Because then you, if if you aren't taking care of yourself, you don't have anything to be able to help other people. So I love that you generating, you know, and that jumps back to, to Castle's point here. And I've learned something new today. Castle, you seem very big on learning things, right? Sticking with things, figuring out things. Uh, what are some of your tricks as you're going through the muddle, as you're going through the repetition? How, any any tips on how do I learn from what I'm going through right now? How do I make sure that I'm not like Einstein says that doing the same thing over and over again is insanity. <laughs> but if you're doing it and learning from it and, and able to make micro adjustments or whatever, how, what are some of your tips on how to learn from what you're going through? Um, I, I mean, it comes down to curiosity. So what, why am I doing this? Why do I have to do it so often? I mean, it's hard without a specific example, but um, you know, if you're uh, having to submit a report for the 12th time, um, you know, why am I doing this? What, where does it go? What does it mean? How can I make it better? Um, who's read it and made comments? Why did they make those comments? What can I do this time to avoid those comments and instead incorporate them into what I'm doing? Um, just, you know, I guess it, it it's again about zooming out a little bit and not just focusing on checking a box and getting the task done, but focusing on, you know, the why for the task and the why for um, what, you know, how it fits into the bigger system. Yeah. I think that curiosity comes back to this point of always being present in the moment instead of just checking out my brain and going through the motions, but figuring out what can I what can I learn from this as I'm doing it? Right. And is there, is there a way to do this better or is, is this even necessary sometimes? Right. Oh yeah. That's a big one because um, it's really great when you're on a team and the folks on the team who are maybe doing the more routine tasks have insights into, you know, how can we do this more efficiently? How can we do this better? Do we have to do this? And I feel like people don't ask themselves that question enough, but that's one of the most valuable things I find when working on a diverse team um, with people at all kinds of levels is that everybody brings something up and everybody brings something to the table. And as a leader, you're welcoming and encouraging that because, um, you know, if it's a pyramid and we can make the base of the pyramid better and stronger and more efficient, then it's, it's a win, a huge win. Yeah. Yeah. Learning from those on the front line, right. That are going through it, going through the motions. 
uh, they're doing the day-to-day tasks. I love yeah. that. And that's, uh, and John Maxwell talks about that in the 360 degree leader. Uh, Castle, I asked Rakay for a, a book recommendation. Any book recommendations from you? So if we go back to the fact that I majored in English and French, I am a huge fiction reader. And in fact, I read to escape business thinking and my yeah. job. And there's nothing so wrong with that. I don't have a great, um, a great inspirational or, uh, you know, instructional book recommendation. Um, but I love to read and I think anything that comes across um, is really helpful. I love to stay broad. So one of the cool things about my job at Millican is that I'm also responsible for our sustainability program, which has made huge progress and huge strides. And we're all um, really proud of it, I think. And so, um, you know, again, with the learning, reading about that and trying to understand kind of a, a bigger way to make a positive impact. Um, so, I can't think of anything specific. Okay. So, so as far as fiction, tell me what's, what's what's (laughs) one of your favorite fiction books? Um, let's see. The one I just read is called the history of love. And it's this fascinating story of, um, like five different narratives that converge at the end. And I, it's, it goes through, um, some world war two history and some, you know, New York city history. And anyway, it's a good book. That's awesome. So it's not the love of history. It's the history of love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very cool. Uh, well, let's shift gears here, guys. I want to uh, take this. This is a very unique moment that we have. Both of you guys work for Millican and uh, be, being native to Greenville and the upstate. I know the huge impact that uh, the, the upstate of South Carolina, we're one of the top 10 fastest growing in regards to the population, in regards to new businesses coming to the area, there and Millican has been a huge impact player in a lot of that. So, can you guys speak to the importance of Millican and its growth, and give us some stats on what, how Millican's crushing it, what we've done, uh, anything like that? I'll let, I'll let you guys both tag team this. So, feel free to both jump in. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Okay, and are signaling to each other. Milliken has been in the upstate for decades and decades. Milliken actually started in 1865 and moved down. The headquarters moved to Spartanburg in um, the late 40s. So Milliken's been around forever and has been a big influence in this area whether or not people realize it, because the other thing that's part of 85 traffic is even because of Milton, yeah, right? Like, right. Well, I mean, the, we rerouted the, the interstate. Yep. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, it's true. The interstate as it was now there's a bypass, but uh, went directly by our headquarters and that was uh, intentional. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, it's, it, you know, we have 15 plants, I believe in South Carolina. Um, we make, all kinds of different products. We have four divisions, textiles, chemicals, uh, floor covering and healthcare. And we make, you have, you know, over 20 different businesses. We make thousands of products and it's just such a diverse and influential organization. That's kind of in the background because Millikan's historically also been very quiet about what it was doing and who it was. So, we're um, changing that now. We have a lot to be proud of and and we're talking about what we're doing and we're, we're making a lot of 
efforts in in DEI and sustainability and um, you know just just workforce well being generally and um, we're getting a lot of awards for it which we didn't know was going to happen or expect um, a lot of them are not even applied for um, but we're feeling like that's validation that the things we're focusing on are, are the right things mm. and that, um, you know, we're getting support and, um, you know, hopefully our customers are, are finding great value in that too, um, as well as our employees associates, we call them. Yeah. I think one of the biggest evidence that things are, you're heading in the right direction is you're growing, right? Mm-hmm. It is yeah. when you're growing and when you're making an impact that that's truth that you're going in the right direction. Uh, so it's it's almost like I'm not a I'm not a exclusive believer in the free market will tell you if you're doing the right thing because sometimes mm-hmm. the right thing is always the right thing right but if if you're growing then that's a good sign that you're doing the right thing uh, what do you got to add here Rickay I know you've got some stats you want to throw at us and uh, some awards <laughs> uh, yeah, Milliken yeah. has won so many awards you probably got a list of them go ahead go ahead and jump through those. I know. So just a couple that come to mind. So obviously, I mean, uh, Newsweek's most loved companies um, to work for. Um, global. Top 100. Global. We just got it. We yeah. just got yeah. the global. That one was right? exciting. Um, something about, look, something about, we're getting so many, I'm trying to keep up the titles, but like uh, a nice welcoming place for college graduates. I can't remember the term, um, you know, but there was another one. And then two years in a row now, I mean, we back in 2020, we received the Upstate um, Diversity Leadership Award, and then 2022 and 2023, Forbes Best Place to Work for Diversity. So, I mean, again, mm-hmm. to Castle's point, you know, we weren't set out to do any of this. Um, we are, we've been trying to do the right thing and mm-hmm. been more inclusive and putting some, you know, best practices best practices in place. And um, our senior leadership team is very much supportive, engaged, um, bought in. Castle is one of the executive sponsors of our uh, one of our affinity networks. And uh, I think we just make it a great place to work. You've got over 8,000 associates, 3,000 of those being in South Carolina. So we need to make sure that if we're going to win as one, which is kind of Halsey's um, theme for the year to all the leaders, then we've mm-hmm. got to figure out how do we all kind of mesh and gel and collaborate and form this cohesive unit that makes it easier to do so. And that's going to come with our uh, inclusive practices. So very yeah. happy to, to, to work on this team. And you, you mentioned it, Jonathan, but the other one that just makes me so proud. And I think a lot of us so proud is the, the ethosphere world's most ethical companies award that we've won for 17 years in a row. And mm. so that's not an accident. It's yeah. 17 years in a row. I mean, it's so easy in business to give into the temptation to do um, the questionable thing for short-term gains. And um, mm. that's just not what we do here at Milliken, which I think is part of the reason why it's such a, um, it, it, you know, the awards say it, but, you know, personally, I believe it's such a great place to work. Um, you can, you know, operate with integrity and you can be authentic and and make the right choices and that's rewarded, not, um, looked down upon. So, yeah. So going to, uh, it's, it's a great place to work for. What kind of positions are you guys hiring right now? If, if there's a listener out there that, that might make a good fit for you guys. Yeah. I'll take this one castle. Uh, so a lot, um, a lot, yeah. <laughs> so we're across the board, right? So I do lead, you know, the talent acquisition team and 
One of the ways you can get connected to um, some job opportunities would be to text jobs to Milliken for you, M-L-K-N for you. Um, the actual number is six five five six four eight. But yeah, text jobs to Milliken for you. You'll be uh, you'll input some information, and then you get a couple of links where you can actually apply today. Or you go to our careers website. That's www.careers.milliken.com. Um, that'll take you to our database where you can essentially search any open job in the company. So I've got jobs that are in our, you know, manufacturing area, production hourly um, associates, as well as process improvement engineers within manufacturing on the corporate side, business leadership, sales, marketing, finance, um, supply chain, customer service, uh, et cetera. Um, and then we also have our um internships. I mean, the summer has just kicked off, but we're going to start recruiting for those again in the late fall, kind of early winter. And so if you're a college student looking to, to join the Millican team one day, this would be a great opportunity to get your foot in the door. We're targeting, you know, analytical thinkers, problem solvers, those that are flexible and adaptable, adjusting to, you know, shifting priorities, project oriented, right? And detailed focus. Um, and those with, you know, strong communication skills written as well as oral. So very deep list, a lot of opportunities out there, but definitely all of our jobs should be posted on our website for more information. Awesome. I appreciate that, Rakay. Um, All right. Here we are at the very end. I want final question from both of you guys. What do you do for fun? Mm. <laughs> well, okay. I so anything oh, I can yeah. do to, to make me laugh. Um, Great comedy shows, good game nights with friends and family. Um, and then I'll make sure I continue to work out, whether I'm playing a little bit of tennis, running, lifting weights, or playing basketball. But I'm gonna I'm gonna have fun. I'm gonna laugh. Have you gotten into pickleball at all lately? I have played a little bit and it was it's very addicting, right? Uh like my my me and my dad went out there just one Saturday. He he taught me in Charleston and we're like, let's just take an hour. We were out there for like five hours. I'm talking junk. I don't even know these people again, strangers. Yeah. We're out there for hours just going at it, but it's, I love it. I'm going to play. Cause I'm, a, I'm big into tennis, love tennis. And some of my friends recently started playing pickleball. I love, I, I kind of want to play it, but I've heard from tennis players that once you start playing pickleball, just hang up tennis because it's going to mess up your tennis game. I know. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I haven't picked up my racket since. <laughs> played pickleball <laughs> yeah. i got my tennis racket restrung and everything and i haven't even picked it up yet but yeah it's big, right. it's fun you'll love it okay castle what do you do for fun well obviously now i've got to try pickleball i haven't played <laughs> <laughs> um it, but it sounds really fun um i so uh i i guess my job's tends to be pretty analytical a lot. So I tend to go towards the arts when I'm out of work. And my, uh, Rick, I mentioned my husband's a musician. So we go see a lot of music, um, uh, when our three small children will let us out of the house. And, um, I like, you know, painting and, and going to see art shows and, and any kind of theater or musical theaters also really fun. That's awesome. Any, uh, any specific, uh, theater or show or uh, symphony or whatever that you really, really like? Oh gosh, that's hard. I mean, I'm just going to be cheesy and say Hamilton because it's amazing. <laughs> you know, I have not seen it yet. So that's one of the ones. It, <gasps> that's I know, worse right? than me not playing pickleball. <laughs> <laughs> I, get that, I get that reaction all the time. Rakay, what are you saying? I was just saying, I, I Castle, you're, we're probably not going to 
hang out. Right. I mean, I tried. I, I hey. tried to watch it two times. What? Both times I made it like 10 minutes. I, oh, really? It's, hey. me. it's me. I know it's me. I'll, yeah. I'll, I, well, I'll say it's great. I'll go but see you know. Kevin Hart with you so we can compromise. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> I just, like that. I like that too. <laughs> I'm just, you can't sing every word to me. Like, hello, good day. How are you? Very, I mean, I like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I like a musical that has music in it. But if every single word is singing, it's a little tougher to swallow, uh, right? Yeah, I get come it. on. It's tough. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, guys, great. it's been a blast. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, obviously, we'll have the website. We'll have all the uh, links on here, too. But uh, really appreciate you guys joining me. And uh, thank you, Rakay. Thank you, Castle. Thanks so much, Jonathan. Great talking with you. Thanks for listening to the Success in South Carolina podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and share it with a friend who needs to hear it. And as always, this is a friendly reminder that the left lane is for passing. So speed up or move over. Are you still listening? Check out the next episode.